How does God use our human brains and our collective experiences in collaboration with His all-knowing wisdom to help us learn? The answer might be found in a learning theory called constructivism. It's a century-old concept embraced by some, questioned by others. In today's Entrust Equipping Leaders podcast, our host, Lori Lind, chats with Dr. Donald Guthrie of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School about constructivism. Thank you, Todd, for that wonderful introduction. And today, I'm delighted to be able to introduce Dr. Donald Guthrie of Trinity Evangelical Divinity School. Maybe we could start out with you telling us a bit about your background so we know on what basis you have authority to talk with us about constructivism today. Sure. Uh, well, I'll go way back. I grew up in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and uh, eventually went to college and then to seminary actually here at Trinity, uh, and then back home to Pittsburgh, was in the local church uh, in ministry and then campus ministry as well, uh, higher education uh, for many years, um, various capacities have been a, a professor now since the 90s and uh, a couple different places, including back here at Trinity, as well as Covenant Seminary, a few other places too. Uh, constructivism uh, was a part of my um, master's and doctoral experience in the universities I attended. Mm -hmm. So I was exposed to to it as a kind of a theory base in grad school and became interested in thinking Christianly about it to see not just what it was, but to see if um, there was sort of redemptive value, I guess I would say it that way, uh, with it. So that's a maybe a quick review of how, how did I get here to even think about this topic uh, over the years. That's very good to know. Yes, it's fed into who you are now. What mm -hmm. are what do you teach, or what um, what are some of your roles at Trinity? Uh, currently, I direct the PhD program in educational studies, which is a degree for people in higher education uh, or the local church or nonprofit uh, service. Um, some have all three <laughs> of those. Wow. About half of our group is from uh, all kinds of international contexts. Mm -hmm. um, so I direct that program. I, I'm an executive director of something called the Center for Transformational Churches as well. And we work with pastors and their families on uh, issues of uh, well-being and uh, support for them in their ministries. Oh, my goodness. Very important work. Mm -hmm. Very complicated work, I'm sure. Mm-hmm. And all of that very much then working in, with people who are going into education, you do think a lot about learning and how people learn, I'm sure. Yeah. So our topic at hand today is um, quite a bit based on the article that you wrote for Entrust over mm -hmm. a year ago now called Constructivism, God's Nature and Human Agency in Learning. Fascinating already just to think about that, that title. How would you define constructivism? Well, as a learning uh, as a learning theory, it's about creating meaning from experience. That's how you learn. You take whatever it is is happening to you, and you reflect and consider it, and that 
turns into your ongoing learning uh, in short. Yes, that's very much in short. We'll get into it more. It's also a bit of a response, as you wrote in your article, to another concept, which was called behaviorism. So Mm -hmm. how would you define that? Yeah, so, so behaviorism is about learning, again, but it's about behavioral change through external influences. So you might say behaviorism is more about what's happening to you and constructivism is more what's happening within you. And that's been a sort of an age-old debate over the years. Uh, uh, how, how does one develop? Is it more about what's happening in, internally or externally on me? Um, so the constructivism is a bit of a, that's why I wrote it. It's a bit of a response to behaviorism, which has kind of ruled the day for a long time. And then you said you've really been learning to think Christianly about constructivism because I myself have encountered already people, their hair kind of rises up when they hear this word in a Christian circle. Why are, mm-hmm. What are the criticisms from the Christian point of view of constructivism? Well, constructivism um, is, is, about, is about making the person the center. Mm. Uh, obviously, if you're making meaning and that's sort of the, the goal of all learning, then it's about you. Mm. So the, the Christian would be rightly um, alarmed or disturbed or bothered by making anything about the person mm-hmm. uh, rather than the Lord and our response to the Lord. Um, so there's that. That's sort of a criticism. And others just say it's just in, in general too relativistic. It doesn't have a it doesn't have a wall against which to push because whatever meaning you make is whatever meaning you make. So go for it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, another, another criticism that kind of moves beyond uh, a Christian criticism would be it doesn't necessarily, that is constructivism, it does not account for power differences. So at the end of the day, if I have more power than you, my meaning matters more than yours, to put it that way. And it, do, it doesn't necessarily account for that. My influence, my capacity to exert whatever power I have, whether it's positional or relational, it just doesn't account for that. It just is. It's my meaning and your meaning. But at the end of the day, somebody's meaning is going to matter more. So lots mm-hmm. of folks have critiqued it for that. Uh, lack of accounting. There, there's a there's a, a criticism about transfer of learning. Uh, learning is you might you might say is all about transfer. It's all about I, I learn things in a particular context all the time. Of course, mm-hmm. but what does it mean to move it from here to here and from here to here? Um, constructivism doesn't necessarily account for that. And especially for the folks who are keen on learning transfer, they want to hear more about that. About how the learning really yeah, transfers. I'm going to get from here to there. Yeah, that's right. Mm-hmm. So th- those are a couple of, I would say, a couple of well-known and and pretty pretty widely discussed criticisms, both as I say from from Christians and people who aren't necessarily critiquing it from Christian perspective. Sure. And when you mentioned that about power, that made me think, though, like, say, for example, if I'm a student in your one of your classes at the seminary, 
your power is that of the professor. You're the teacher. Yes. Would it be possible in constructivist learning that I would listen to you? I would learn from you. I would receive what you said. And I might repeat back to you what you want to hear because you have the power, so to speak, and and write an essay and write a paper and a thesis, whatever, and pass your class, but then go on and in my own say, well, actually, I don't think any of that's true, but I just said it because that's what Dr. Guthrie wanted me to say. Might that happen? And then maybe what does that mean? Does that mean I never Oh, sure. <laughs> because in, as you know, in many contexts in the world, what the teacher says is everything. Mm-hmm. It's the beginning, middle, and end of everything of the lesson. Mm-hmm. So that the student feels pressure, whether exerted or not by the teacher, but the context itself, the culture might say, yeah, you you have to follow whatever the teacher says. Mm-hmm. So there's no meaning making. There's no ownership. There's no agency on the part of the student. It's just mm-hmm. repeating and reflecting back, like you said, what the teacher says. So that's anything but constructivism. Because learning has not really occurred in that case. No, because the student did not take the material and take it into themselves and say, okay, here's how I think about it. Here's how I own this. Here's my perspective on this after mm-hmm. some further study and reflection. that That's more what constructivism is interested in, is how you make the learning your own. So, I mean, when we talk about people making meaning, it does even for me now, it raises some, like, I get thinking of find your truth and all of these somewhat sure, relativistic yeah. statements we hear yeah. in the world around us. Um, how does how does this all fit together from a Christian point of view? Well, I, I'd say first, from a, from a non-Christian point of view, it's education theory version of that. It's education theory version of Oprah's version of Find yeah. Your Own Truth. Put it Without that way. having said the name, that's exactly who I was thinking. <laughs> no, well, I, I mean, uh, yeah, that's uh, that's mm-hmm. helpful to to remember that. Mm-hmm. Um, it, it's more of a of a sophisticated learning theory that does again on the upside. It 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 tries to elevate the student's agency to learn something and actually actually learn something and actually own it and actually means something to the person that's the upside but without any sort of boundaries or direction or telos point it just sort of begins and ends there mm-hmm. um, so it it's like i said earlier it's rightly to be critiqued and examined because if that's all it is then it's just sort of another secular theory that makes you the center and what does telos mean by the way and What's the end? What's the goal uh, toward which you are, in this case, toward which you are learning and which uh, in some ways really evaluates what you learn against a standard? Mm-hmm. Uh, in pure constructivism, the standard is you uh, and to whatever degree that you um, make the meaning you're making, mm-hmm. sort of from nothing into something, but it's all about your worldview your and your own you you yourself being the end all right well that definitely goes counter to anything that a, a christian would say because we would have right. a there's a standard there is truth whether i think i made that truth or not it has nothing to do with the story so how can a christian embrace constructivism then 
Yeah, well, I mean, the, the, the short answer is with a lot of care <laughs> and a lot of reflection on the scripture. That's why I think in the article I mentioned um, Psalm 111, because I, yes. I think that's uh, one place among many, but but one place that uh, kind of uh, puts everybody in their place, to put it that way. God made everything and invites his people to explore what he made. And that's mm-hmm. that's verse 2 of Psalm 111. Great are the works of the Lord studied by all who delight in them. So it put it puts me, the Christian, you, the Christian, in response mode to the creator God who made everything. But this amazing creator God invites his people to delight in opening up the things that he made and the ways he made things. So we we actually use um, this, this whole uh, psalm, but especially that verse, as kind of a jump-off point for lots and lots of discussions uh, here at Trinity in our program as a way of saying, look, the Lord is so kind and is so generous and is so awesome that he invites us into his uh, creation of all things so that we can, you might say, make meaning after him. And the only reason why you and I can make meaning is because God is the one who speaks meaning into everything. So that's why that's why it's possible with 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 considerable um, considerable reflection, considerable inclusion of scripture like this as, as an example that that I can say and encourage Christians to say, oh, let's think about constructivism, not pure theoretical constructivism, which starts with nothing and ends with you, but what starts with God. And ends with delight in the Lord. That's way better than oh, start, yeah. starting from nowhere and going to me. <laughs> Infinitely better, yeah. obviously. Oh, it all. That all sounds ever so much more inviting. And so, oh, like, yeah. if we are, for example, if we're studying a passage of scripture together, um, we would believe there is God had a meaning when he wrote, when he gave us this yes. chapter, this book of the Bible, it means something to him. I'm seeking to make meaning of it for myself. That doesn't mean that my meaning can be different from your meaning. Or can, as I incorporate my experiences in life and, and what yeah. I've learned through life, and you do as well, <laughs> might we arrive at slightly different conclusions? And But then are we violating the intent of Scripture? So, so that actually, that's a good that's a good reason why we should study the scripture together mm. and not just by ourselves. I, I mean, I think, I think studying the scripture personally with the Lord is that's fine, but it shouldn't only be that because, because the takeaway often from scripture in, in, in our history in the church for the last while is what does this text mean to me? Well, I mean, that's a good question. That's fine. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with that. But it's got to move beyond the two and get to the four, because the four, the four implicates me. You see, if I just say, what does this text mean to me? I can keep the text at arm's length. But if I start asking, what does this text mean for me? (laughs) Now I have some response Mm -hmm. that's called for. Okay, what if I say in my, just for example, in my small group, what if I say, what does this text mean for us? 
And I take it even beyond the two to the four, but I take it from the me to the us. Well, now you've built in the, okay, let's all gather around the scripture. Let's all ask one another, where do we see this in the text? Let's all do the homework necessary. Let's all encourage each other as we gather around the scripture. And then let's all say, how are we all implicated now together? Because how else do you apply scripture but within it and out of the body of Christ? I think that's the that's both the check, but also sort of the launch pad. It's kind of both and to keep me from sort of crazy notions of what I see in the scripture, but also it keeps me from saying, I can just know this in my head and then I'm done. It keeps me from both of those things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you can only apply anything in in community in some Pretty way. much. You gave a, such a good definition in your article um, for what you said could be a Christian constructivist view. Um, mm-hmm. That was taken from your book, actually, which we do want to reference, your 2018 okay. book on faith and teaching. Mm-hmm. You you talked about Christian constructivism. Tell us what you said about that and then kind of. Yeah, I said it's, it's um, collaborative investigation. So it's what I just mentioned about doing this together more often than not. And that leads to practiced wisdom. So again, it's more than just what's in my head, but it's practiced wisdom. It's always under the triune God's care. So it places me in relationship with the Lord appropriately. And then it gives me that telos again. It's for the sake of others. So the, the, the key is I am not the end of my own learning. Uh, as a Christian, I am, I am not real. I'm, I'm not the end of anything. <laughs> the Lord is the end of everything. I'm Amen. not the end of anything, but I'm, I'm, I am not certainly the end of my own learning. I'm not the end of my own investigation. I'm not the end of my own salvation. It's all, it's all to be received with gratitude and then stewarded well, responsibly to the glory of God and the well being of my neighbor. So that's what I was trying to get at with. Um, well, what 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 is it that this this approach to learning is supposed to be about? But then also, what's the fruit of it? Mm-hmm. So it's kind of both and, and you can't you can't really talk about one without the other because if you if you just kind of stop, then you're not done yet. I guess is my mm-hmm. point. What about when we think about Jesus? We know he used so many different approaches to teaching large oh, sure. groups and small groups. Do you see some examples of constructivism in his teaching? Yeah, I, and I, I mean, I'm obviously really uh, cautious. You can't, you can't overlay a, a, a contemporary learning theory on Jesus. He, he transcends all that. Yes. But on the other hand, he knows, he knows whom he's made. He knows how he's made us. Mm-hmm. He, he sometimes, I think you could say, he takes our agency more seriously than we do. I mean, he gives people the stuff to do. He, he, when he commands people and he invites people, he expects response. He expects people to move and act and do stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think, I think that's, that's again, that's the upside of what the constructivists are after, that Jesus knows way better than any constructivist because he knows whom he's made. Mm-hmm. And he knows that when we act responsibly in his name, in the power of this Holy Spirit, that I, I, I would point to John 15 and, and uh, John's account there of Jesus talking about fruit bearing and abiding in him. 
and there's going to be suffering, but there's also going to be joy. I just, I don't see how you can have joy and abundance and fruit bearing and um, everything else he talks about there. Jesus better be there somewhere because that's a whole, that's a whole bunch of stuff going on in one place. Mm-hmm. And yet, thanks be to God, there's Jesus. Mm-hmm. I mean, the abiding in him is at the core. And that that's what makes all of the other things possible. And he would even say fruitful. I guess without the the unnecessary overlay onto Jesus, which you can't you can't do that. But you can observe Jesus in his interactions with folks and say, Oh my goodness, he he really takes people seriously. I mean, he, when he's engaging people, he's actually expecting them to engage back, mm-hmm. respond back uh, to him, particularly. Uh, I, I just find that very encouraging. I, I, I think I just appreciate how the Lord um, challenges, enables, encourages, expects. It's just like super engagement. Mm-hmm. It's, just, it's just great. And yes, not only did he just teach like information transfer only, like he did, he talked, he spoke mm-hmm. to people at yeah. great lengths, but then he gave his disciples assignments, physically go through oh, yeah. all the time in the water and catch a fish or throw the net on the other side or yep. go see how many loaves of bread, everybody, like all of those things might add, would that be a constructivist thing? And they're adding the disciples might be adding meaning to what they heard Jesus say. Well, yes, and it was especially important because he knew, even though they did not, but he knew that there was coming a time when he would be gone and he'd be sending the Spirit, and they were the plan. (laughs) They were the plan. Yeah. (laughs) As crazy as that would sound to them and to us, right? they they were the plan. It's not like they were plan B. They were the plan. Mm -hmm. He knew that. He knew all of those conversations and all of that come with me and all that be with me and all that watch me. And now you do some stuff and now we'll debrief, rinse and repeat round and around and around. He knew that was really great preparation for what was coming, Mm -hmm. even though they didn't. Uh, But they knew soon enough. I mean, after a relatively brief amount of time, they they came to know soon enough. Oh, Mm -hmm. we're, we're now the arms and legs and feet and mouth of Jesus. Mm-hmm. So he knew that. And I think he, I think he, you might say he taught with that in mind. He modeled with that in mind. I'm sure too. Like if after he was gone, I was just reading in Acts today about the apostles are suddenly speaking to someone and saying, in the name of Jesus Christ, rise up and walk. Mm-hmm. And Jesus had talked about being the life and the way and the truth. Mm-hmm. And then they'd seen him be you know raise and heal and somehow they had both seen and heard and now they knew how to apply that now maybe i'm making too much of that and i know there's that's maybe oh. not the best example but <clears throat> no but the but what the what the key was that they understood was they weren't jesus but they ministered in his name mm-hmm. and they also knew that if they strayed from ministering his name uh, <laughs> that was all gone yeah. So they, they knew that they had been sent. They knew in whose name they ministered. They knew the commission they were on. Um, lots to learn from there in that process. So then also in your article, you wrote that discovery, learning, and meaning-making 
can be Christ honoring compliments to approaches grounded that are grounded in scripture. Can you elaborate on that some more, what you mean by that? Scripture, scripture's got to be first and foremost. It has to be the authority. It has to be the guide. It has to be the, um, the primary text, you might say. We'll go mm-hmm. back to putting this in learning lingo. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, and, and as you work that out and as you iterate that out, and I should say quickly, iteration is is not repetition. Iteration is repetition with reflection. Okay. So iteration is really a key both to the constructivist and to the Christian constructivist because you you do not expect to learn the thing, do the thing, understand the thing the first time. Uh-huh. You have to try and try, get some feedback, try, get some feedback, try, get some feedback. That's how we learn how to do anything. So it's it's baked in. It's baked into the method. It's baked into the theory. It's baked into uh, human beings because that's how we've all learned how to do everything from walking to Bible study and everything in between. So re- repetition is a good place to start, but you can't stop there. You have to You have to add reflection. And that sort of turns repetition into iteration. And iteration is this amazing process of not just doing the same thing over and over again, but infusing your tries, your -hmm. attempts with feedback, reflection, prayer, so that the whole process becomes much thicker, much stronger than just, I'm going to try the same thing over and over again. You also mentioned collaborative meaning making. Uh-huh. How do we incorporate that or how do we know when that is taking place in learning? Yeah, so there's a uh has been for some time. There's a whole theory base uh that talks about collaborative meaning making. And it often is in a group of theory and practice called communities of practice. Hmm. So that when you get people to have common interests and um, some opportunity and some resource, they have some purpose and direction, that can turn into a community of practice, or at least a community of learning that's pursuing something that they that they want to have in common that they want to get to the end of. So collaborative meaning making is often situated in that world. It doesn't only have to be in that world, but that's that's where it often uh, finds itself. But back to our uh, conversation earlier when we were talking about, say, small group Bible study, uh, general body life in the church. To me, that's a that's an obvious place to think about collaborative meaning-making, you might say, in the name of Jesus, mm-hmm. around the scripture, sent forth to figure out what we're doing in the world. Uh, the second thing I'd say about that is it, it could mean for Christians, it could mean gathering folks together who have similar vocational interests and who want to explore together their professional identities, their identity in Christ, but their professional identities in a way that helps them understand, well, what does it mean that I'm a Christian and I'm thinking I, I go in my day job, I'm I'm in the business world, I'm a nurse, I'm uh, in construction, I, I'm doing whatever I'm doing. So it could go there too. It could go there too. 
Well, then, you know, all this theory in this philosophy, and we so you sort of mentioned about just a real life context, but how do you really see constructivist understandings of learning serving the purposes of the local church? Um, I, I think as we gather God's people and as we gather as God's people, we have amazing opportunities to help one another mature in Christ, big picture. At worship, Bible study, at work, during the week, in community, Jesus Christ is Lord everywhere. So every place is potential curriculum, I guess is how I usually put it. Yeah, that's true. For Jesus, the creation was curriculum because he made it all. So it was all in. Mm -hmm. I think we can learn a lot from that. I think we can learn a lot from expanding our sanctified imaginations to think about, okay, what, what would be most helpful to us to spur one another on to love and good deeds, as the scripture says, to spur one another on to become mature uh, in Christ. I mean, a couple of things I, I thought about, um, particularly a local church, what if we had more occasion, not just to study scripture together, which we do, but to study case studies in the scripture together and study case studies in our everyday lives together with the mind of Christ? That would bring the eternal truth of the scripture to bear on my daily life. Uh, huh. I'm going into doing a series at my local church on conversations, which sounds pretty ordinary. And that's the point. Mm -hmm. We have conversations every day. Yeah. But what does it mean? What does it mean to learn from the scripture about how we talk and our the tone with which we talk? How do we address one another? What's our goal when we're talking? Are we listening for advantage so I can win? Am I listening to understand so I can serve? Mm -hmm. So something as mundane as conversation in everyday life with coworkers, with family, with friends, with neighbors, with the Lord in prayer. We, we can help each other learn how to do that better because that's part of our maturity in Christ. Mm. So that's a pretty concrete example of what this could look like, I would say, in our everyday life together, of doing life together as Christians, as we're, as we're developing, growing, suffering, as we're comforting mm. one another, praying for one another, but also seeing the Lord at work in our midst. Um as well. Another thing I thought about was um, manuscript Bible studies and investigative Bible studies are something I'm old enough to remember. Yes. And me I too. don't know, honestly, I don't know for the life of me why, why they just don't seem to be as um, utilized these days. That's a mystery to me. Mm. Uh, the, the, in my Young adult years, I'll say that, and on into adulthood, they just kind of were the norm. You invite your friends, Christians and not, gather around manuscript studies, really dive into the Word. Everybody does homework. Sometimes the non-Christians that I was with, they'd be the better observers than the Christians. They'd say, well, you can't say that. That's not in the Bible. Uh, yeah. And they're the ones trying to figure out what it means. They don't know what it means yet. So I wonder if we could, I wonder if we could revisit some of those options so that when people— in God's kindness, he draws them to himself and they become Christians. They think this is normal. They think it's normal to huddle around the, the, the scripture because that's what they were doing before they were Christians, strangely, with us. So they keep, they continue to grow in Christ around the scripture together. Mm -hmm. They're never going to know a time 
when they weren't doing this. Mm-hmm. They weren't making meaning of the text with the spirit as the guide. Like, yes. wow, that'd be terrific, wouldn't it? It would. Oh, wow. I love it. We have about four minutes left. Okay. In terms then of equipping next generations of leaders, like you are doing at seminary and then trust comes alongside people sometimes in quite non-formal ways. How do we best or how might we best incorporate constructivist thinking in how we're equipping men and women to be the next generation of leaders for the local church? Well, I, I guess I I guess I want to recover more of a come with me, both mindset and also activity. I I personally just resolved a long time ago because of the own my own discipleship that I uh, enjoyed and really I'm grateful for. Um, I just went around a lot with the folks who poured themselves into me, and I learned a lot from just watching and listening, mm. and then debriefing. Mm-hmm. And I and I, back to what we observe with the Lord Jesus, man, He did a lot of that. Yes, He did, he did a lot of come, come with me. The disciples say, "Where are we going?" Well, you're with me, so it's okay. Mm-hmm. We'll be okay. <laughs> now we're not Jesus. No, but he goes with us. That's right. Yep. <laughs> so when we say come with me, it's just we're saying come with me as I go with Jesus. So there's a relational component. I, I I hope that we can recover and even emphasize with younger folks. Um they are deeply desirous of relationships, not just with peers, as we're often told, but with older folk too. And I think adults really need to answer that call and come with me. Learn from them, too. Learn, mm. learn two way, not just one way. But, but be responsible enough to say, come with me and have meals together and demonstrate hospitality to one another. Recover the dining room table. Mm. Not just out for a meal, which is, that's fine, too. But recover some of those, I would say, long, long well-served practices and disciplines of body life, mm-hmm. uh, both for their benefit, but obviously also for ours. Yeah. <laughs> ours too. Right. It is collaborative. We are going to learn from one another in any it is. case like that. It's it is. True. We can learn a lot from the the cultures in the world that are collectivistic and, and uh, collaborative kind of built in. Uh, here in the West, and I think that's one way we can we can learn and demonstrate that we are learning, and it's just for our benefit and the Lord's glory. Well, Dr. Guthrie, I want to thank you so much for your thoughts. I know we've barely scratched the surface, but people can read your article and they can find your book. We'll make sure that's all in our show notes. Okay. And uh, bless you as you keep training men and women in ministry, and thank you for your time today. Thanks, thanks so much, Lori. So, what do you think? Do you agree with Dr. Guthrie? Do you see some ways to incorporate constructivism into your leadership, your teaching, your facilitating? Talk it over with others and be sure to read Dr. Guthrie's article and other resources cited at the end of the article on our website. Thank you for listening to Entrust, equipping leaders 